Good morning. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together, book by book, chapter by chapter, and here we are doing 3 John, another one of these really short little letters. We looked at 2 John last week. 3 John here, just 15 verses. The whole thing is just not even a a real chapter. It's just uh, these verses, 1 through 15, very short letter, very similar to 2 John, but it's even more specific. It mentions these two guys in particular, mentions a few people, but it mentions Gaius, who seems to be an example to emulate, a faithful example of someone who's generous and hospitable. And then there's this guy, Diatrephes, who does not seem like, uh, well, like he's on very good terms with John, at least. So who are these two guys? What's their story? What's the situation here? It seems to be very similar to that of Second John, but there's a little more going on today. So happy to be checking that out and uh, also to be looking at the New Testament one more time before we go back into the Old Testament tomorrow. More on that in a bit. Today we have, I believe this is the first time we've had this pastor on Thy Strong Word, but he's someone who I, I know and have spoken to before. We have Pastor Jaime Nava. He's the new pastor at Concordia Lutheran Church in Maplewood, Missouri, right over there by that fantastic restaurant uh, known as Schlafly Bottleworks. Good morning, right. Pastor. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm doing well. If I, you know, I work that close to Schlafly, I can't be that bad, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, no, and you're just, uh, you know, just like a mile down the way from the seminary, too. Yep. I think I'm the closest uh, congregation to the seminary in St. Louis. Well, the closest LCMS one, anyway. The closest well, one, sure, I think, yeah. is, the, <laughs> is the ELTH, yeah, which that's that. like <laughs> down the block. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But very, very good to very good to have you on. How are you and the family doing? How how is it? You're like uh, six months in or so into this new call. Yeah, yeah as of let's see, uh, four days ago, I think it, it'll be seven months. Seven, okay. S- seven months, but who's counting, right? You know. <laughs> yeah, I, right. I just like to keep track of these things. I, I can't help it. Very good. But but how how has it how has it been how is it going what what are you up to there in Maplewood Missouri? Yeah, Maplewood uh, as a city is uh, growing with young families like crazy. Uh, I think it's in the water. I'm not sure. Um, better not have any vicars in Maplewood. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Kidding. Uh, it's it's going great. You know, the congregation itself has been around for over 150 years. Um, and so it's it's been well established and a lot of ups and downs. You know, every congregation has history and, and they're no different in that regard. Um, in terms of the number of pastors, I don't know which number I am, but um, I don't know, eight, nine, ten, something like that. But I'm working mm-hmm. to learn in that. Um, the most recent development is uh, not this last Sunday, yesterday, but the one before I uh-huh. was commissioned as a Navy Reserve chaplain. Oh, so that'll keep me busy for a hot minute. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Very, very good. So do you have to go to basic training? Is that what they call it in the Navy? I don't know. No, they, they have officer development school. Uh, And uh, I guess this is a little plug for anybody considering uh, becoming a chaplain. Um, I I'm automatically an officer. And 
So I'll go to officer development school and they don't get in your face and yell at you and you know whatnot. I mean, they do expect a certain level of physical fitness, but you know, they're not going <laughs> to you know, tell you to drop and give them 20 for no reason. It's, it's a little more, uh, okay. 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 Yeah. Higher than that, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Very, very good. Very good. Well, good stuff. I'm, I'm happy to, yeah. to hear about all the good stuff going on, brother. And it's great to have you on and looking at, looking at third John, this is, uh, you know, one of the, so, since it is so tiny, I think it's one of these books in the Bible that doesn't get talked about very much, huh? You know, I read that it is the, the shortest thing in the whole new Testament in terms of books and whatnot. It's, it's the yeah. shortest. We, yeah. So thank you for that, because it's also the thing that I probably studied the least <laughs> out of all the things. So it gave me, gave me some good homework to do. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Well, uh, happy to be looking at it today, and let's go ahead and get started, because I have a feeling that even though it's just 15 verses long, I have a feeling that we are going to fill up the whole hour very easily discussing it, because it's just very applicable stuff. Um, very specific sorts of examples that um, I think can be very relatable. As we get started, would you say a prayer for everybody listening today? Sure, let's pray. Uh, And if you're driving, don't close your eyes, by the way. Um, Dear Lord, we thank you for all of your good gifts that you provide to us. And as we go through 3 John, you teach us that the church is not just uh, some vague thing out there, but it's a very intimate place, a place where you draw sinners together to do your work, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. So as you sent John to uh, prepare and defend and to, to uh, even be with those side by side who had their struggles, be with us, Lord, as we also uh, go through the same things so that your church, the body of Jesus Christ, will endure by the strong word that comes through each of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, brother. And uh, of course, very helpful reminder uh, to not close your eyes while driving. I, <laughs> my, my, my wife, actually, Gabby usually listens in the car. She listens to the podcast the day after. She just has the podcast on her phone and plugs her phone into the little stereo jack in the car. Uh-huh. So, yeah, not... not uh, she doesn't close her eyes, I don't think. At least I have a car <laughs> yeah, doing that. Don't. You can <laughs> do pray that. with your eyes open. It's true. You That's can. Right. You That's know. right. That's right. Actually, I think I think someone told me recently that that, that actually for a long time it was more normal to pray with your eyes open. And in fact, there's a number of religious traditions where like nobody closes their eyes to pray. Yeah. Where, so now I have questions, but that's a different Bible study. I guess. <laughs> that's a different, a different, yeah, different conversation. But okay. let's go. Let's go ahead, and I'll I'll just read the first three verses here, maybe the first four verses, just to get us rolling, and then we can ask some questions like, okay, like what's the situation here? Who's Gaius? Um, how does this have to do with the the second letter? You know, because I mean, there is this order that we have them in. So let's let's talk about those things in just a second. Let's read the first three verses just to get the ball rolling. So, first three verses of uh, chapter zero of Third John. <laughs> the elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. 
I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. All right. So, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, there's a lot of affection shown. I mean, he's called beloved, right? Um, yeah, yeah. At least like twice here, I explicitly get the statement of like whom I love. So uh, it is similar to, to second John in that kind of like very um, familiar endearing kind of opening here. There's also some similarities, it seems, with the idea of kind of praising or hearing a, a good report or a good report going out. But this time we have this this Gaius guy. Last time we didn't have anyone specifically mentioned by name. It was like to a, a congregation. And this seems to be addressed to individuals. So so what's yeah, going on yeah. here? It seems a little bit different. Yeah. So uh, we as we have first, John, um, and I, I will give a plug to uh, – uh, Dr. Shikard's commentary from the Concordia uh, series. Uh, yeah. He he he's showed me something that no one else did in my in my study, where you have a progression where First John is is very general to uh, mm-hmm. multiple congregations. Second John gets a little more specific, and right. Third John is very like tip of the spear specific to mm-hmm. to a, a certain setting, and so. They do. They all have a lot of similarities, of course. Uh, but what what I find really interesting in Third John here is how John says uh, speaks with the first person and to the second person singular, which you don't really see very often in a letter. It's usually we to y'all, right? And in this case, it's I to you. Very mm-hmm. very specific, and uh, we don't get that all the time in general. Um, so that's one. One thing that we don't see, but in terms of similarities, sure, yeah, John starts the same way in Second John with as an elder, and yeah. that's a loaded word, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'll, I, I'll pause there to let you uh, do your Well, thing. yeah, we talked about this last time a little bit because, I mean, there's a lot going on there that, I mean, you, you know, it's thought, you know, in terms of like the tradition that this would this would be one of the, the latter letters written say that five times fast letter letters uh (laughs) in in the new testament and that so if this is being written like towards the end of the first century um you know john is uh, one of the last if not the last living apostle um and so in in that sense he is just actually older than most of the christians around um and then if not actually the oldest he is in any case the most senior in terms of his authority. Um, yeah. So he could just refer to himself as the elder, um, not not in the sense that we use it necessarily in our churches, where like the elders are kind of like the assistants to the pastor, but, yeah. uh, but actually a pastoral term uh, in itself. But, but one, you know, because, you know, it might be like, oh, there goes old John, you know, like it might be one actually two of a affection in this case. Yeah, and um, he's writing, assuming his authority in a way. I mean, he writes that he's an elder, but he kind of tells people this is what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, I read at one point the early church didn't really have pastors that would oversee other congregations, but their own. Like not mm. yet, as this was developing, and so John in writing and saying, uh, "Y'all do that, and y'all do that, and y'all do that." It, it's showing that he's not simply a specific pastor to a congregation, uh, one congregation, but 
overseeing a number of them, and that that presents a certain sense of uh, oversight uh, on right. his part as a like a bishop, an early bishop. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you and you see that you get that sense a little bit, you know, in the writings of Paul that. I mean, he has this authority that he's exercising and, you know, like in the letter to Timothy about like appointing elders in different places, right? Yeah, there's yeah. there's this sense that, that they were doing this, that there were house churches in every city, but there were there were leaders there among them also. So, yeah, you're right. Like it's it looks like it's something that's kind of like developing and uh, developing, I think, especially in terms of like, what do you call these people, right? I think, yeah, I think that yeah. that, that the I, that the idea and the position was kind of already there, probably from very early on. Um, but but in terms of like having a, a singular term that that we use, you know, and today we have, you know, such rigid distinctions, you know, but like uh, yeah. there's there's pastors and there's SMP pastors and there's district presidents and there's district regional vice presidents. And <laughs> right. Right. We have yeah, it. We have, we don't we'll have it worked out very well now. <laughs> yeah, even in my district, we got vice presidents, right? I mean, the Missouri right, right, district. So it's, right. this, we, yeah. Right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, something that stood out to me, you know, um, you know, so so we we have you know like I think that was a really good way of putting it that it, it with zooming in effect, getting more and more specific. Now now you know last time it was we were just kind of praising you know to to this congregation. Hey, I you know kind of I caught some of your people doing good, right? And it's kind of general like that. This is specifically two guys, so um, you know these things going on here, similarity but a little bit of difference. But what stood out to me was the language because not only as you said is it really like first person second person you know like i you right but the you is in fact emphasized um and and you've got i mean it was very striking to me like three times in a row boom 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 um you know when he says like you know well with regards to everything i hope i'm I'm praying it goes well then he says right um as it as it goes well with your soul and in your in the greek actually it's put out front in this emphatic position and then right after that in verse three right i rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth and uh you know i guess we should at some point ask what, what does he mean by your truth right, right I, don't think he, yeah. <laughs> I don't i don't think he means what most people mean in 2020 uh, <laughs> right right yeah and, yeah yeah and, and, and then and you? then he says right yeah, I know, I know. I said, what is Gaius' <laughs> truth, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then, after that, in the second half of verse 3, um, as indeed you are walking in the truth. Again, another emphatic Greek pronoun. So, yeah, I mean, there's this emphasis here. What do you, what did you make of that, and what do you make of the, uh, <laughs> the your truth part? I, I just think, I mean, as best I can figure, this is just a, a very... We, we're getting a glimpse to maybe this is a follow-up letter to the other two to be given specifically to Gaius. You know, here here send these other letters to the churches, but when this one goes to that church, send, slip this along into Gaius as well. I don't know. It's just very intimate. It's just very personal. Um, he's yeah. he's writing to Gaius, and it's. There's a sense that, like, there's a, a very strong bond that I think he's, if, if he's not developing, that he's that he's uh, making it very well known to Gaius. Like, I see how you feel about me over here, 
and this is how I feel about you. As somebody, you know, maybe this was different in, in those Roman ages where if you are a senior, people kind of lick your boots, if you want to put it that way. Mm-hmm. And he's flipping it on its head where he's just showing the, the, the compassion he has for Gaius and his care. And so it's yeah. not just, I'm in charge, you listen to me. It's, it's almost this, uh, if it's not, you know, I don't know. It's just very intimate. It's kind of unusual. Well, yeah, and I think think what you're getting at, too, is like in the intimacy, right, and this intimacy from an elder, what's striking is how he's praising him. And we we looked at that last time. We talked a little bit about that, how that's really an example for us to emulate. Like, when was the last time you praised another Christian, right? I mean, like, you know, think outside your, your family, right? Like, like another Christian, like what's that to me? You like really praised them, especially for like the good they're doing. Right. I mean, it's, it's a good thing for us to do that we would encourage each other. And it seems like he's by the way of saying like, you know, as things are going well with your soul, I mean, I think he's trying to say like, you know, you are an example of a Christian life lived well, like your life is one that is to be emulated there. Um, in whatever congregation he's in. Um, and, and he goes and he says, you know, uh, your truth, and probably a little bit um, of a stiff translation on the part of the ESV there. If you, if you look up the word truth, um, aletheia, the, the first definition that you'll find actually in like your kind of standard Greek dictionary is actually truthfulness or dependability. And uh, I think that's the, the sense, just clearly from the context, like what's being talked about here, that this, this is a guy who's putting the truth into action. He's being dependable, and particularly dependable um, in his generosity, in that he's someone that has a reputation as someone that you can go to, that you can count on for your support. So I, I think as, he, as he's going and talking this way, he's, he's singling him out, as a way of praise and honor. Um, and also we're going to see he's singling them out uh, by way of contrast. Cause when we get to verse nine, we're going to talk about the, the other, well, the other shoe is going to drop and, yeah. and uh, guy, Gaius is going to look really different in contradistinction to uh, diet, uh, diatrophies. So yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, your thoughts. I, I uh, looking at the Greek, as you said, you know, uh, the second part of three, just as you yourself, uh, I guess, are walking in in that dependable way or in truth. So it's, it's that parapeteo walking is like what, how you live, right? Isn't that kind of another way of translating? Yeah, that's right. How you're how you're living out living out the truth, and so I mean, that, so that's the cool thing in Greek is you can you can make you can make that connection by saying like, well. Like your dependability is is well known. Your 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 uh, faithfulness or truthfulness is well known because you're living out the truth. And uh, in English, th- those two ideas don't necessarily or they don't necessarily obviously connect. But in Greek, right. because it's actually just the same word, right? It's it's um it's not quite like a pun, but like it's just the connection's kind of more obvious in Greek, like between holding on to the truth and being a dependable person. Would this give us a glimpse to say that maybe this is another thing that we could say this is John writing? I mean, it doesn't give his name, but maybe we'll go there later. I don't know. Who's the author? I, I don't know what I'm alluding to. Oh, uh, yeah. 
Well, yeah, because we, we saw that last time. Like John, like throughout um, his writings, his letters, the gospel and revelation, truth, right, is a big, big theme, right? Like it, it, yeah, it's all yeah. the truth on one side and, and falsehood and darkness on the other side. You know, there's there's light and truth. I mean, just think of the prologue to John, right? Light and truth, light and truth, truth and light. You know, I mean, yeah. I am the way, the truth, um, and, and the life. Like he always puts these things together. And so, yeah, it, it seems very typical of John to be putting everything in terms of truth. Yeah. Cool. So we got a lot going on there, just in the first three verses. Let, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let, let's go ahead though and take it to about the halfway point here before we before we turn to this other guy, right? So uh, let's. Uh, I guess the first four verses here. So let's pick it up at five and take it through verse eight. Beloved. It is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. So, uh, yeah, again, right, more more there on, on the truth. Um, and in, in verse five, right, we're just talking about how the other sense of this this word truth, um, aletheia in Greek is uh, faithfulness or dependability. And there he goes, right, saying it's a faithful thing you're doing, right? So um, just tying the, the theme together even more, developing it even more. But this is the part, I think, where we have the most obvious connection to Second John, because we're talking about hosting fellow Christians, and particularly hosting Christians who are going about the business of proclaiming the gospel. And it seems like uh, he's particularly even well-known for the way that he generously supports these guys, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a faithful thing you do. And it's, it's kind of, <laughs> there's a lot of tangled words to, to break down. Um, it's a faithful thing you do for these brothers— who are they? They're strangers to you. What mm-hmm. do they do? They testified to your love before the church. So they gave a witness even uh, of Gaius and what he had done for them. Sounds like. Right. Um, and then John commends for you know what happened. Uh, do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. Um, so it's really interesting. These, these guys showed up and Gaius accepted them. And this is giving kind of a precursor to the next few verses, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> how did he love them? He accepted these strangers. But not only that, he sent them away, not empty-handed. Right. Uh, and and this is the way it should be done, verse 8. This is what you're supposed to do. This is what we ought to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it seems like when you read it against the backdrop, of uh second john like it like it makes a lot of sense like you know because in second john right he, he's saying like okay well you know be, be careful because yeah there's the people who are going around like legitimately on behalf of god but then there's the deceivers that he talks about yeah. right the deceivers yeah. who represent actually the antichrist is the way he puts it in second john and, and so like why is he issuing this warning because it's a big thing going on in the church that there are these itinerant preachers just kind of roaming around and 
they, they may be, a lot of them will be strangers at the different houses that they arrive at, but these, these faithful Christians um, are taking them into their houses, giving them meals, giving them a place to sleep, sending them on their way with uh, supplies and support. Um, so th- this, is, this is the setting, a very specific situation, and it requires guidance, and it requires a, some, some applause and some praise when it's done right. So that's what we have going on here in Third John. We have to take a short break, uh, but when we get back, we'll, we'll pick this up a little bit more before heading into the second half. Hang with us, everybody. Die strong word, Third John. Be right back. Monday, January 13th, 2020, KFUO Radio thanks our day sponsors, Gerard and Linda Kruger of St. Peter's, Missouri. Gerard and Linda made a gift to KFUO Radio in celebration of their 52nd wedding anniversary and in thanksgiving to the Lord for all the blessings he has bestowed upon them, including the blessing of their three children and eight grandchildren. Thank you, Gerard and Linda Kruger, for helping us share the gospel and for being today's KFUO day sponsors. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 10 states, If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. Find this true wisdom in Christ on Sharper Iron every weekday morning at 8 a.m. here on Worldwide KFUO. Sharpen the iron of your faith together with two pastors as they take up the sword of the Spirit to proclaim the gifts of Christ crucified and risen for you. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at 3 John today, and we're joined by Pastor Jaime Nava, pastor at Concordia Lutheran Church in Maplewood, Missouri. We just read these first eight verses, talking a little bit about this idea, the situation that was going on about hosting these, these Christians, Christians that you don't even necessarily know, but because they have the name of Jesus on their lips, you're hosting them, taking care of them, and supporting the mission, what was going on at this time. Uh, I want to invite everybody, this is our last chance to talk about the letters of John before we move in to the Old Testament again. Tomorrow, tomorrow, I'm excited about this, we're going into Joshua. So yeah, it's the Old Testament, but I'm really looking forward to it because we, we spent some time looking at, you know, we've got some letters here. Before this, we were looking, um, you know, back in the Old Testament prophet of Isaiah. So it's nice to be getting back into some stories, you know, the narrative, like what happened next, you know, the, the stories that you can like tell your kids. I, I really like that, really enjoy telling those stories. So we're getting into Joshua tomorrow. Uh, but if you have any questions on these letters of John, and particularly 3rd John, I invite you to call in if you're listening live. 1-800-730-2727, or if you're in St. Louis or Maplewood, uh, 314-821-0850, or you can always send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org, and they will get that message to me if you send an email. Also, I want to give a shout-out to our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Check them out 
at lhfmissions.org. Uh, they put missions in their name because they are a missionary organization. If you check out their website, they just put up today a really cool story um, about a conversion from Buddhism that was made possible because of the work they're doing, um, the literature that they're translating and putting into people's languages uh, among the, the church in Cambodia. So really, really cool stuff. Check that out, that story that they've got posted up there for today, uh, January 13th. But yes, turning back to what we have here in Third John, the situation is one that uh, I, I guess we probably don't relate to immediately. So I think this is a little bit of the paradox, because I think when you break it down, I, I think there is actually something very relatable. But um, on, on the surface, the situation of like, strangers show up at your door and, and you're like what what do you want we'd like to tell you about jesus and like you know, i know today it's like you're like what are you jehovah's witnesses right go away um and, you know and that's like kind of like the reflex right um but no like it's like oh you, you, jesus come on in let let me fix you some dinner you want a place to stay hey your sandals are looking a little bit worn out can i get you some new ones right i mean like this is what was happening that they were they were supporting people who were just going door to door and, and sharing the good news i so that that's pretty different from 2020 united states right yeah yeah i would say that's that's very different <laughs> yeah but so there's a difference but on the other hand i i feel like there's 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 something here for us i don't i don't think we should write this off as like oh well that's it's a pretty weird situation why would they do that um clearly nothing to do with what we're doing today. I, I think that rather uh, there there is something actually pretty relatable, but uh, before I uh, go on my hunch, what, what are your thoughts on that? How What's the connection point between this seemingly uh, strange set of situations um, and our own today? Well, I, it's funny. Uh, you kind of sparked a memory. And I, I call this a rabbit trail of Bible study. So if it's okay, if I can do a rabbit trail, I'll be quick. <laughs> Um, I, I had some Jehovah's Witnesses come to my door once and I invited them in. We were talking yeah. in the doorway for a while, maybe about 20 minutes. I said, what are we doing? Let's come inside. You guys want some, you know, something to drink? Uh, yeah. And we got to talking. Um, and, and someone told me, I realized later on that when a pair comes to your door, one is the trainer, if you will, one's the leader and one's yeah. the, the not leader. So, yeah, oh, always the two there talking. are, a master and an apprentice. Yeah. I'm sorry. I had right, to do okay. that. Go ahead. Sure. Yeah, so you talk to the apprentice. Don't don't talk to the master. Talk to the apprentice because he's the one who's who's vulnerable, much more vulnerable in some regards. That's that's what I was I was told, I think. Interesting. Uh, somewhere along the line, Rod Rosenblatt or somebody like that kind of threw that out of me. But anyway, I, yeah, I got to talking with them, and we got absolutely nowhere. We, we really didn't. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, it it was interesting to invite them into my place and have that conversation. But how much more so, you know, to have a, a, a missionary or somebody who is going about the good news of Jesus Christ, and you say, "Hey, why don't why don't you come in?" Or if nothing else, I'll send you with something, some water, uh, uh, I don't know, a fruit bar or something I got in the in the cupboard, <laughs> anything really. I mean, that's, yeah, that's just kind of something we could do to help them out. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't I I imagine a lot of people haven't taken that next step and invited them in, but I imagine that maybe even most people have had um somebody um either from 
the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, or <laughs> the the you know the Watchtower Society, or somebody um, you know at their door before. At least you've gotten it. Like you know, th- they'll get it under your door. Those little like uh, yeah. slim brochures oh, yeah. they have, right? I mean, you can be um, you know in inside an apartment building, and somehow they get in and they get it under your door, right? So I think most people right. can relate relate to that at least. Um, yeah, so no, there, there is that connection point. But I, I think, uh, so taking a step back, right? Like, so what, why is this going on, right? Well, because there aren't like established congregations with dedicated spaces everywhere at this time. And in fact, yeah. most Christian meetings were happening in people's houses. That was actually like the normal thing. It was like, hey, let's go to so, it's Sunday morning, right? Let's go to so-and-so's house. Right. Because that's where we're going to pray and that's where we're going to do the Lord's Supper. Right. Like that's what you would do. It wasn't like, oh, like, let's go to like the church, you know, yeah. our nice like steeple with like the big cross and, you know, right, right across the way from Schlafly's. Right. So, I mean, it, it's different in that regard. But you see that I think there's the, kind of the similarity, actually. It's like <laughs> by inviting people into your house. I mean, this is kind of the same thing as inviting people to church because your house is the church and oh, so for us right and so and so for us right like actually like inviting people to our churches um to have meals because a lot of us um do have the tradition of having meals at our churches i think it's a great thing that we do um some more than others but yeah inviting people to those meals at the church inviting them to the different events that are going on at the church like that's something that we can do today too um, and, and it's really, I think, rather analogous. And I, and I think that in some ways it highlights that our churches are there um, not just because it's like, oh, this is our church, like it's our like secret treehouse clubhouse or something like that, <laughs> right? And like this is like our place, right? You know, like like we get yeah. to uh, do our things here. But our, our churches are these, these buildings we call churches, right? They're they're really missionary outposts that are meant to be places that support um, the work of the gospel at large. And so, yeah, that's in a lot of ways supporting the pastor who's there. But, um, you know, I've I've been in a lot of churches where like they, they, they have over like, you know, international students who are studying theology or, you know, like uh, pastors in training, you know, vicars you mentioned, right? Like sometimes like they'll actually just stay over like at the church building. Um, you know, missionaries will come and speak at churches um, and those churches will uh, oftentimes like throw their support behind them when they do come and visit. So, yeah. I mean, seeing our churches in, in the context of the bigger picture um, as, as places of hospitality and not just kind of like as our own personal uh, like fiefdoms or something. What do you think? Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, Luther's explanation of the fourth commandment, uh, you shall honor your father and mother, and how he elevates uh, father and mother above all other authorities. You know, you think of the president of the United States or the queen of England or whoever you think of, and mom and dad are above them. And yeah. where are they teaching? Where are they doing their work? Mostly, they're doing this at home, right? I mean, with their family. Yeah. And so in, in that regard, then uh, the home is 
is really the hub for the family's religious life. I know there's some who talk about, you know, kind of have a home altar in the Christian sense where you can go and pray and do devotions and things like that. And then um, on Sunday morning, we gather together with all the other homes as as one loaf uh, and we receive all the good gifts. So it's just kind of a, the reverberations of Sunday morning that occur there echo throughout the week at home. And so to invite somebody into that um, is a, it's, it's a scary thing because it's vulnerable like Christ was. Uh, but it's also just kind of part of what the Christians have been doing for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like that elaboration that, you know, I mean, really he's talking about, you know, inviting people in, um, you know, it says, you know, these brothers, strangers as they are, right? And, and so that context, you know, it's inviting and taking care of missionaries. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, really, it, there there is this way that's it's very relatable. The the people that we go to church with, right? If we're honest, um, we think of them <laughs> very often as strangers. Um, you know, like, it's like, oh, well, you know, they sit on the other side of the church. And so I've never <laughs> spoken to them. Right. I mean, yeah, like, that's, yeah. we, we kind of have that going on. And, you know, like, we have our people that we, that we hang out with, and that we, you know, get lunch with and stuff like that. But um, a lot of us, right, like, don't actually like, see that much of our brothers and sisters from the church. And so in a lot of ways, if we invite them over uh, to have a meal with us, there, there's a lot of similarities with this situation also, as you were saying, because when we invite them over for that meal, um, you know, Lord willing, we're inviting them into uh, to share in our, you know, mealtime devotional practice where like we, we pray um, before or after or both um, or, you know, we we reflect on a part of scripture or you know, something that, that I, I've thought for a while that I feel like we need to get back into. We need to, like, get back into, like, singing um, not just at church on Sunday morning. You know, like, I feel like people, like humans in general, right, like, are, are, are a much more musical species than we sometimes, like, present ourselves to be. And I think people yeah. used to just sing more often. And now it's like, well, why would you sing when you can just everyone's walking around with the, the, the new like Apple wireless like, Bluetooth headphones. And it's just like, you just listen to music all the time, but you know, like singing together, even, you know, like these are really cool things to do. And when we do that, I think we can rightfully see ourselves in the tradition of Gaius even, and being generous and uh, sending our, our brothers and sisters in the church off in a manner worthy of God we can, we can see ourselves in, in the tradition here that's being set forth in third John. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that tightens a congregation up, you know, in a good way uh, to be, to be near to one another, if we, especially when we eat together. So for anybody yep. listening, think of the person you don't know at church and invite them over or go to lunch right. somewhere. I mean, that's right. That's right. And you are, well, that's right. Or, or if at Concordia and Maplewood, like, well, you have no shortage of places that are within walking distance. Oh, man. <laughs> I am well blessed. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Great. I, there's plenty of, like, I, I could yeah. name a bunch, but I won't. I won't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, let, let's press on here. So we got to let this other shoe drop here. So at verse right. nine, 
Gaius, you know, we, we've been talking about how Gaius gets singled out in praise. And so it seems like that at least that's partially then to contrast with this other guy here. Because as much as Gaius is an example of welcoming people in and being generous, there's another guy who isn't so much. So let's read this next section here from verse 9 through verse 12. I have written something to the church, but... Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he's doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. So two, two more names are, are brought up. Demetrius kind of gets tagged on at the end, but the focus here is this uh, Diotrephes guy. And, I mean, what, what a description, right, who likes to put himself first. And, in fact, in the Greek, it's like... Um, yeah. The guy who likes to put himself first, Diotrephes. It's like that's actually like the, the first thing that's mentioned before his name. Like this is vital yeah. to like you understanding who I'm talking about. You know, Diotrephes. Yeah. You know the yeah. the self important guy, uh, yeah. <laughs> basically, right? Um, oh, so so what what is Diotrephes doing exactly? Because I, I think it's uh, it, it's sometimes hard to to it's easy i'll put it this way to lose sight of like what gaius is doing and just be like oh diatrephus is just generally a miserable person but it's actually kind of specific the problem that he has um, and what he's doing yeah it's it's really bizarre because in the second letter they're like look out watch out you know don't just accept anything right. um because you gotta you know people might show up and they're gonna take you and, and guide you away from christ and so maybe I mean, giving the best spittle, and maybe Diotrephes is like, well, if that's the case, then, you know, we can't accept any outsiders. It's just us, and it may be more specifically, it's just me. Yeah. Um, what I say goes, and so maybe he was initially starting on the right foot, but it just seemed to me that he's just taking it too far. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I actually first. had the same. I actually had the same thought that like yeah. maybe it's like yeah he's go, he's going too far with this because in Second John he's like hey don't don't just invite anybody in right like yeah. you can't yeah. you can't be supporting people who are spreading wickedness or, or the message of the Antichrist you gotta you gotta be wise you gotta test what they're saying okay they said Jesus but do they mean like the real Jesus like who came in right. the flesh or like some other idea that they're just labeling jesus right and so th th there's the advice but then there's this diatrephes guys who's like who's i don't know basically he's decided that the only people who are like true christians are basically i don't know like you know him and his mom or something right it's just like it's an extremely narrow circle right it's just right. like well well you know these chosen few like well i guess i'll have them over right but like nobody else so i mean this is a uh, yeah, yeah. This is just like like you were saying. This is just how you kind of fall off on the other side of the horse here. Yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, I mean, he's got some power because he's able to quote unquote throw people out. 
right? He yeah. pushed him out of the church. And so other people have to be letting him do this. So it could be that he's got, you know, an earthly position of authority that he's used to be in charge. Maybe he's got the big house. That's where everybody went to church because that's right. you know, how are you going to fit everybody. you got to have the space. And so he was the guy that had the space, the, the money, the prestige. And now it just kind of got to his head. Um, and strangely enough, he doesn't even acknowledge the authority of John himself. I mean, one of the, if not the last, probably the last uh, disciple alive who, you know, saw, touched, heard Jesus, as he says uh, in First John. And and this guy, Diatrephe, he's just like, nope. I'm I'm in charge. <laughs> it is unbelievable, right. unbelievable. Yeah, I, I like what you're saying that you know maybe he's the guy who actually hosts the church, right? Like people meet at Diatrephes's house. That's that's, that's weird. Um, but like, because actually, I think that's kind of the na- natural way to read it, where he says like I've written to the church. It seems like what he means is like Gaius's church, like his congregation. So. It gives you the sense that basically John's been been writing stuff, or at least he wrote something um, yeah. to the congregation that is associated with these guys. But Diatrephes just like gets the letters and tears them up, um, and so the only way that that John's going to be able to to reach this congregation is through Gaius. And he's like, okay, well, Diatrephes won't give me the time of day, but I know that you will open my letter and share it with the people in your congregation. So, I mean, it, it seems like there's actually like a, a problem of, of leadership here that you actually have the leader um, being, I don't know, um, like uh, in, in a spirit of factionalism uh, yeah. of, of yeah. really just being like, Oh, well I, I'm the authority. You know, I mean, you, you got kind of, we, we talked about kind of the meaning of uh, the, these words here, putting yourself first, right? I mean, that's something that, um, especially in this context, to say that you're first is to say that you have the authority, right? Um, it, it, it might mean, actually, in this context, that he's, he's, he's making himself out to be the highest, right? Like yeah. even higher than John, right? Like th- this is, I don't know, maybe this is like the congregation that's like, yeah, well, you know, who cares what the district says and who cares what the synod says? We are our own congregation, congregational autonomy, right? right. And uh, you can go too far with that because we're we're not like our own little like lone ranger congregations. We're part of something yeah. bigger than ourselves. Yeah, the synod means to walk together. So you can't, you know, you you, you can't register from the ministry of silly walks and ex- and expect us to be a synod. You know, it just, it's not going to work. Yeah. We're not going to walk together if we're all walking funny differently. Uh, so, it, it, oh, I had a thought. My my reference to Money Python made me lose my thought. Oh, oh dear. Uh, <laughs> well, well, I, I I'll give you. I'll, I'll give you a chance to, to, to recover the thought here. Oh, but, I got it. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Okay, okay yeah, go that's ahead. Okay. So, so John starts the letter out very very much praising Gaius and in a very yeah. humble way. You know, as a leader, mm-hmm. sure. Like, I'm the, I'm the elder. I'm the presbyteros. I get, you know, I'm showing that to you. But this is the way a leader leads, by, by supporting those whom he leads, or technically, if you want to say serves, is probably a better yeah. word. 
Yeah. And so John's saying as a leader, I, I don't, I'm not first. I serve you first. So, mm-hmm. you know, as Luther would say, uh, it is freedom of the Christian. You know, the Christian is slave of all subject to everyone. Yeah. And so John's kind of presenting that, his humility, and Diotrephes is doing the opposite, himself right. first, all the way. And so you have right. that dichotomy, even in this little letter like this, uh, you know, what, what yeah. you know, does. Well, yeah, I know, and that's that's well said. I mean, this is the danger of of um, of being in these positions of power, right? And, and the solution, of course, is not to have no power uh, concentration, right? Like, get rid of all the hierarchy. Like, no. I mean, like, again, like, what are literally the first two words of the letter? Um, yeah. The elder, right? So the John's elder. solution, John, John's solution is like, it's not, you know what, guys, let's like give up on this hierarchy stuff. We'll just vote on everything, okay? Like, yeah. you know, just total democracy. No, 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 no. He, that, that is not the solution, right? Um, the, the, the the difficulty, yes, is that, you know, diatrephes has been overcome by this, you know, divisive um, spirit, right? But um, the, the solution, as always, is actually, and this is where he keeps putting it, right? The, the truth, the, the truth of the gospel. And, like, if we apply the truth of the gospel, like, it will prevail, um, and it will even um, eventually deal with these problems that we have in leadership. But, yeah, that is, that is the danger that you get um, at a congregation that, um, there can be people in leadership who go astray. And one of the first signs, one of the first red flags, right, is that super exclusivistic um, spirit of like anyone who crosses me, right, is just yeah. like the devil. Um, you, you've got to like, you know, be on my side on everything. Like as soon as you get that just kind of like that kind of clickishness, that kind of like, you know, like, oh, you got to like, you know, uh, be on my good side kind of thing, like power tripping at all, like no good comes from that. And in fact, um, that's exactly why we have, and this is actually, I mean, this is actually proving the point. This is actually why we have a hierarchy in the church, right? You have to have a John, a, an elder who goes over yeah, the level of the congregation sure. because like there are times where the congregational leadership like falls by the wayside. And so you, you, you got to have your, your circuit visitor, and your district president, like, you know, this, this is the problem, like of the congregations that, that submit to, to no higher authority. Like, well, when your pastor goes astray, like what, what are you going to do? Yeah. Yep. Do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Yes. So, you know, a, a good, a good word here that, you know, even if, even if your church leadership is engaged, um, in, in this sort of thing, like, you know, don't, don't lose sight of the good example that you've been given. Um, keep, keep doing good. And, uh, you know, this is, this is a difficult thing that a lot of Christians I know are confronted with that they find themselves in contentious situations in their congregations. But, you know, John speaking to you as much as he is, um, to Gaius, you know, don't give up doing good, keep it up. Don't, don't try to, you know, uh, pay evil for evil, but overcome evil with good. Um, just a couple more minutes left. Let me just read the last three short little verses here and then just maybe some concluding thoughts as we wrap up today. Um, he has another short little, uh, um, not salutation, but, um, uh, goodbye at the end here, picking it up at verse 13. 
I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, each by name. So, so yeah, so it's it's a short little greeting, right? Like, uh, it doesn't go on. I mean, it's, it's very much like their greeting, or not greeting, the the uh the goodbye at the at the end um like second john um but the thing that stood out to me was that he uses the term um friends here which is a little bit different like he's used both the term um you know brothers right yeah. um and he's used that throughout he's used the term like children right um and, and dear lady that was like the one in, in second john so like family language but here it's the language of uh, friends, and there's that idea of you know friends getting together face to face, greeting each other by name. Um, uh, yeah, it, it's it's a little bit it's a little bit interesting that there is this idea of of friendship that like seems to just be coming through in a really genuine way here at the end. I'm gonna throw in real quick if you got a if you got a problem with somebody, go with what John does here and talk oh, yeah. to them face to face. Don't put it on the internet. Don't write an oh, email. Dear. Go talk. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Don't put it on Instagram. Don't put don't. it on Snapchat. Please don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah no, that's uh it's it's a good example here. Um but but yeah, you know, it what what do you think here about I'm just kind of just we only have a minute here, but just uh I don't know, concluding thoughts here, just kind of looking back here on the letter as a whole. Well, I think overall, a beautiful letter, a picture of humility, uh, what pride could do, even among the family of Christ, yeah. and ultimately that John uh, cares for the church, and he always has, and, and the best way to care is to serve, and to, to serve in, in a, a humble way. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, brother. So good having you on for the first time. Going to have you on again real soon. And uh, yeah, maybe maybe you can do some, some Joshua with us real soon. But uh, peace and blessings here the rest of this epiphany season and as we get uh, rolling here in 2020. Thank you. Also with you. Thanks, brother. Everybody, that was Pastor Jaime Nava, Pastor at Concordia in Maplewood, Missouri. Till next time, everybody. You've been Peace. listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.